brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty's Social Impact Pioneers podcast series. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. These interviews with social impact pioneers provide you with insights, different perspectives, advice, and maybe a little inspiration, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision-making and action-taking. Now, I am super fortunate to get to learn from incredible social impact pioneers because of the Business Fights Poverty community. Now, I know that there are social impact pioneers all around us. This podcast is here to celebrate everyone, of course. And today is no exception. Now, normally these conversations, I get to do the asking of the questions, but today we're going to mix it up. The people joining me today are going to ask each other the questions because today, I'm delighted to be joined by Bill Winters, who's Standard Chartered Bank's Group Chief Executive, alongside green tech entrepreneur and leader, Audrey S. Darko. Now, Audrey is part of Standard Chartered's global initiative, Future Makers, which is working to lift participation through inclusion. And for Audrey's business, Saban Sake, especially to get help her grow and succeed with her business. So Audrey is part of the Women in Tech alumni. So perhaps, Audrey, if you could start for us, could you introduce yourself and, and tell us a bit about Saban Saki? Hi, everyone. I'm Audrey Estaku, and it's a pleasure to be here. I'm lead at Saban Saki, and as a climate tech organization, we're focused on building the infrastructure, technology, and providing the knowledge for vulnerable farming communities to be able to grow food, restore degraded landscapes, and ensure that their livelihoods are better. Oh, thank you so much, Audrey. And Bill, so why is helping women-led tech businesses like Audrey's so important to you? So I am delighted that we can bring together and shine a light on the importance of female tech entrepreneurs and their contribution to tackling climate change. Less than 28% of green jobs are held by women. Thriving micro and small businesses are considered the gateway to economic prosperity, as well as the key to job creation and wider social environmental solutions. Therefore, the bank has taken a stand, and it's quite a firm stand, to target the promote uh, economic inclusion by improving equitable access to finance for women and small businesses. We need women at the table to drive economic growth and, and increase diversity in future workforce. Through Future Makers, which is our global youth economic empowerment initiative, we support young women to learn, earn, and grow, providing a future-oriented and resilient foundation for communities to build. We help young women and entrepreneurs access the skills, networks, and opportunities they need to start or grow their businesses. Since 2019, we've reached over 1.2 million young people across our footprint, of which 73% were women. More than 230,000 young people, micro and small businesses, participated in Future Makers activities, including technical business training, mentoring, and seed funding. Over 8,000 jobs have been created by young entrepreneurs supported by future makers. Now, our ambition is to create and sustain 140,000 jobs and placements between 2024 and 2030 through impact-driven partnerships with the Standard Chartered Foundation, NGO partners, and clients. We're committed to continuing our support for micro-entrepreneurs 
enabling them to deliver on business growth plans, offering seed funding, and to become more strategic in revenue generation, customer acquisition, and financing in the long term. Thank you, Bill. And now, Bill, Audrey, can I hand over to both of you to ask the questions? Audrey, perhaps if you don't mind, would you mind going first? Hi, Bill. My first question to you would be, from your perspective, what are the benefits to having a green and inclusive economy? Yeah, thankfully, the first thing to note is that green and inclusive are not are not exclusive. We can have both. Uh, in fact, our, our our bet is that the, the more that we bring women into the climate solutions, the more likely we are to, to make uh, great advances. Because women, one, are upper, are underrepresented in a number of the markets uh, in which we operate. In fact, underrepresented across the world. Two, frequently find ways to to come up with innovative or or, or novel solutions to to challenging problems. Uh, and three, have a have a leveraging effect back into their communities, which is outsized relative to a, a similar initiative uh, taken with men. Of course, this is at the risk of generalizing everything, but this is based on a lot of empirical work that that maybe because women are underrepresented in the workforce, and because women kind of necessarily see things through a somewhat different lens than men on on some particular issues, but we come up with some 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 really interesting incremental uh, or fundamentally different solutions. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on why the the green uh, transition is so important. Uh, the, the alternative is a not green transition, in which case we're all going to be suffering tremendously. And we as Senator Charter Bank and the markets in which we operate will suffer the most, unfortunately, because uh, emerging markets will, will bear the brunt of, of the impact of climate change if we don't address this up front. So taking every every path that we can take to to reduce the, uh, the increase in, in global temperatures and to do that through the, some of the conventional means but also through some unconventional means, I mean, we've got to take the most inclusive possible approach. Can I ask you a question, Audrey? I'd like to, uh, given your experience, what does climate change and environmental degradation look like to you? That's a good question. Um, Climate change and environmental degradation are interlinked. And it's also multifaceted because we get to see the severe impact on our planet, on our livelihoods, and as well on profit, you know, as businesses. Currently, I work in the agriculture sector or industry, and I'd say that we've experienced quite a plethora of of challenges. Firstly, we've seen a once known arable land now having reduced agricultural productivity. So then you have heightened food insecurity. You have starved livestock. You have excessive drought, flooding. And then in Ghana specifically, you also have millions of hectares of land in need of regeneration. So the question here is, how then How then do we solve this? Because the environmental challenges are not isolated, right? They intersect with the socioeconomic um, factors as well. So you have vulnerable farming communities, for instance, bearing the brunt of the effects of climate change. And you can see that in their livelihoods, in their income levels, and currently and how they grow food because you know increased yields means they have better incomes and they have better livelihoods so we're we're seeing that the impact is multifaceted and it's 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 not the best for everyone my other question to you bill would be i know you're within the financial sector i would like you to just highlight to win or expatiate on the role of the fin- financial service sector um, in creating a green and inclusive economy, you know, for businesses like myself or individuals, for your clients, et cetera? Yeah, it's a, it, it's, it's a question that's very central to what we're doing as a bank, but it can be generalized to, I think, all the financial services. 
the, the first and most obvious thing is that the, the the green transition requires a lot of money. And if there's one thing banks do well, it's it's spot where the money is. And uh, getting that money into the right hands is much more difficult. But that's we're completely committed to creating all the facilities to allow really the large amount of money that, that's set aside in the world for, for the green transition, but is having trouble finding the right projects to invest in, to connecting the, the, the worthy projects with, with the amount of money that's necessary. But we know we have to do this in an inclusive way. So in, in, in one sense, that means making sure that, that the transition that we, that we all plan for is a just transition, where, where we take account of, of the need for, in particular, less developed markets and less developed countries to have the opportunity to continue to develop and, uh, and progress towards middle and then eventually uh, high income standards that, that many in, in, in the developed parts of the world have already achieved. The transition just won't work if it's not inclusive in that, in that way. But inclusion goes beyond uh, inclusion at a country level. It's inclusion at, a, at an individual level. And uh, that means uh, making sure that, that we are bringing along subsets of the population that have historically been disadvantaged, whether those are indigenous people who are often uh, left by the by in, uh, as economies develop, but also now as, as, as the green economy develops. We've already spoken about, about making sure that we make very specific efforts to include women in the workforce and as part of, a, of an inclusive and green economy. And we've got a whole slew of, of projects at Standard Chartered, and not least the uh, something that we, we call the Women in Tech program, where we're incubating, motivating, mentoring, in some cases, financing women-led or women-owned or women-focused businesses. Why women? Because we think that a, 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 an incremental bit of achievement with women historically and empirically has, has a greater impact on societal change and, and prosperity in local communities than a similar amount of money spent indifferent to gender. Uh, so it's been a very successful program. We're continuing to ramp that up. And we think it's a key contributor to creating a, not just a more inclusive economy, but also a, a more green economy. And maybe, Audrey, I could, I could come back to you and uh, ask okay. a little bit about your experience in developing green solutions. All right. I get excited about this question because um, currently I run Sabon Sake, and Sabon Sake um, focuses on the agriculture industry. But then as well, we factor in um, aspects around energy down to uh, looking at water systems down to soil. We are currently focused on ensuring that farming communities are able to grow food more sustainably. And how do we do this? We're currently working on um, producing a biochar production facility, currently establishing a biochar production facility which allows farmers access to the soil inputs, right? And the resources that will enable them to restore their lands back to life, right? Improve on, on soil biodiversity um, and do this in more sustainable, climate-friendly fashion. Because currently there's a lot of shortage and there's a deficit in the quantity or the amount of soil inputs. Secondly, we're also working on creating more access to climate financing for smallholder farming communities. Currently, it's at 1.7%, less than 2% of smallholder farmers having access to climate finance. And this means that for them to transition and also shoulder the burden um, and the impact climate change has on them, it's necessary that they have the financial and non-financial resources. So we do this by um, supporting them with carbon payments and creating more carbon market inclusivity for them and as well engaging them into our climate restoration projects, which we do in partnership with corporate companies across um, the continent. 
So these are two things that we are doing and we're leveraging on technology, specifically carbon removal technology, which enables us to produce the organic soil blends, specifically biochar, which is a stable form of carbon and under the soil carbon sequestration um, sector. And then the second part is we are also building the digital infrastructure, which enables um, a more transparent and easier access to climate financing from the investor standpoint straight down to those are the grassroots, in this case, the farmers. And I've got one last question, Bill. It's, it's really exciting. I wish we had like the entire day to do this. But my last question to you would be, um, what is Standard Chartered doing now and planning to do in order to help accelerate green solutions for all? And one thing I like about Standard Chartered is your mantra, here for good. I, I really want to hear how that, you know, also plays a role in, in what you guys are planning to do and already have done as well to accelerate yeah. green solutions like mine. Well, we also love our our, our tagline here for good. It, uh, it means a lot to us. Uh, it's a good uh, it's a good sort of a North Star or you know, moral compass or whatever, whatever your term is. What we've, what we've uh, endeavored to do in all climate related solutions is, is first and foremost to subscribe to the net zero by 2050 objective that the world has adopted uh, and many, many countries in the world have adopted and to play our part in that. And we, our, our, own, our own emissions are very small. What we end up taking account of and, and taking responsibility for is the emissions of our clients. And we've done a lot to develop the methodology for determining, so what are those emissions coming from our clients? Now, we need something uh, something called the Net Zero Banking Alliance, which is the group of global banks that, global and local banks, uh, who have uh, the mission of, of getting a, a common framework for getting to net zero. Uh, we've set out our own pathway to net zero, and, and we've been increasingly populating that with you know, very sort of ground-level data, uh, industry by industry, on what a, what a transition, transition looks like in the power sector, in the transportation sector, in the metals and mining sector. We've now articulated a very, very specific pathway for about 70% of our emissions, and we'll continue as we approach 100% of our total emissions. And then we work with our clients to help them actually affect that transition that's necessary. In many cases, they, they need to develop an understanding themselves of what their emissions are and what their options are for reduction. Uh, and as they go through that and, and start shifting their own business models, they need money. And so we've committed to uh, identifying, raising, and delivering $300 billion of capital for uh, climate-related investments by, 90, by by 2030, and we're well on track to deliver that. We have a, a number of other initiatives underway to facilitate and to, to, to promote uh, best practice. We've been we've been at the at the forefront of developing a set of standards for the voluntary carbon market that will allow, for example, uh, Audrey, many of the projects that that you refer to that uh, require the uh, creation and sale of carbon credits in order to fund the underlying project. We want to make sure that, that there's a market for those carbon credits and that there's high confidence that the, these credits that you're organizing and, and originating are uh, are first rate and won't be questioned by by the buyers as some form of greenwashing. Uh, so many, many, many initiatives underway, with which we think holistically get us within a very good striking distance of hitting 2050 at zero. Can I ask you a, a last question? So I'm curious some of the, the uh, challenges and opportunities uh, that you're experiencing in making your business a success and how people like us can better support uh, you and others like you to scale and grow your successful green tech businesses. Thanks. Thanks for that question, Bill. Once again, I'd say that 
we've, we've experienced a number of challenges as well as opportunities. Currently, there's a growing demand for sustainable solutions, green tech solutions across board um, from renewable energy down to agriculture. And we're excited that with this growing demand means that there's a market for it. So, you know, establishing a business that helps accelerate the planet into a good stead would also reap its high profitability, I would say, or at least support businesses like myself. So you have that. You also have the technological innovation opportunity. You know, now there's a lot of innovation that enables us to actually, from, from digital infrastructure down to hardware, down to ensuring that we can monitor and measure the impact of what we are doing for our clients and for ourselves, and also create more uh, regenerative products. In our case, is regenerative soil solutions and also digital infrastructure that en enable farmers to be supported um, and gain access to climate financing. For the challenges, I would not start off with financial um, resources, even though it's it's currently you know the crux of everything or the main point. Because for, for green businesses to survive and thrive, you know, fin finance is important, right? You know, you need, you need the capital to build those infrastructure, to hire more people, to actually build more goods that end up, you know, supporting the environment instead of degrading it. So with the challenges, financial, financial issues or challenges are definitely key. We need access. We need private investors to be encouraged and incentivized, right? Come on board to support businesses like myself or Saban Sake and other businesses um, across the continent. We also, we, also need, we also need to ensure that we have an ecosystem support. And that's why I also was excited to join the Women in Tech program because that felt you're building community. You have access to people with ideas, concepts, you know, who can mentor you, support you. And that ecosystem support leads to partnerships, right? Collaboration that helps expand your business beyond your local terrain and go global, right? And, and create more impact. So I'm excited about that. So I, I'll definitely start off with ensuring that we, we actually, one, first have access to the financial resources. So for the banks, you know, I'll probably tag standard charts for now and say that um, I think you're doing a great job in, you know, providing seed funding for businesses like myself, especially through the Women in Tech program and other ventures that you you created. And I, I would say that continuing that stead, we do need that. Secondly, I'd say that if you could provide the opportunity for us to partner, right, with with other clients that are also within the same sector, such that we could, you know, exchange learnings for some sort or or expand through partnership, that would also help as well. So Bill, Audrey, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your stories and for grilling each other so beautifully. To everybody listening, I will um, make sure I put links into the chat that sits alongside it. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.